Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Newsletter Audiocast. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this is issue number 48, volume 12. This corresponds with the week of November 14, 2022. This week, we're going to talk about drug-induced micronutrient loss, soleus push-ups, and mirror neurons. The free thoughts. I learned this week that humans can learn through hearing and watching using mirror neurons to mimic an action. This behavior is very advantageous to a society or species. I often teach medical students that they should observe and incorporate the best qualities of their teachers in their actions while they become their authentic selves over time. Keep that which serves while jettisoning that which does not. All right, so what do we know about drug-induced micronutrient loss? For me, it's always been something of a question. How do we function at the highest and most optimal state if our engines aren't being provided with the nutrients, both macro and micro types that give us ideal performance? By macro, I mean fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. By micro, I mean minerals and vitamins, which are cofactors, frankly, for enzymatic activity and cell signaling, driving the machine to normalcy of action, whatever that action is. But what dictates sufficiency? In simplistic terms, it is based on the nutrients intake absorption, mobilization, requirement based on activity or exposure, disease microbiome, elimination, and utilization. Any place along this continuum where a slowdown occurs will lead to less function and action for health. This over time could lead to disease. Do you eat a rainbow of foods that optimizes intake? Does your alimentary canal absorb that which is ingested? Do you have single nucleotide genetic polymorphisms altering uptake or receptor activation or enzymatic activity? Any of these things could and likely would lead to disease or dysfunction. Quote, The long-term use of prescription and over-the-counter drugs can induce subclinical and clinically relevant micronutrient deficiencies, which may develop gradually over months or even years. Unfortunately, nutrient deficiencies seldom present as classically described, and with the exception of the most common micronutrient issues, many healthcare providers are not knowledgeable about micronutrient deficiencies or excess. This may lead to erroneous attribution of deficiency states to a disease state or the aging process itself and may delay diagnosis. Drug-induced micronutrient depletion may be the origin of otherwise unexplained symptoms, some of which might influence medication compliance. Drug-nutrient interactions are defined as physical, chemical, physiologic, or pathophysiologic relationships between a drug and a nutrient, and typically involve multiple factors. Drugs can influence food intake, nutrient digestion, absorption, distribution, metabolism to active forms, function, catabolism, and excretion. Additionally, the presence of compound-specific transport proteins, receptors, and enzymes in different tissues alters the pattern and location of where drugs and nutrients interact, creating scores of possible tissue-specific interactions, and makes prediction of clinical effects difficult. Ethanol, which is our drinking alcohol like beer, wine, vodka, and tobacco also influence micronutrients in ways similar to drugs but discussion of this is beyond the scope of this review. End quote. Comes just from Mohn, M-O-H-N, at all 2018. So again, for me, the purpose of this piece, we are going to focus on this question. 
do you take medicines that alter one of these actions? Absorption, mobilization, elimination, and or utilization of a macro or micronutrient. We have long known that medicines have side effects, yet we rarely talk about drug-nutrient interactions in a meaningful way, save for antibiotics and microbiome damage. The key drugs that cause risk are those that are used for a long time, like antacids, anticonvulsants, diuretics for blood pressure, oral contraceptives, just to name a few. If you or a loved one are on a long-term medicine of these types, then this issue is real for you. Let us look at the poster child for bad outcomes, proton pump inhibitors, and anti-acid class medications. Function of these meds, we know, reduce the symptoms of heartburn associated with gastroesophageal reflux. In effect, the medicine raises stomach pH from 1 to up to 4 or higher, decreasing the acid burn on the reflux region of the esophagus. Less pain, people are happy. Unfortunately, the side effect of these meds are many. But here, it is a profound reduction of the action of the acid on micronutrients like B12 and C, as well as minerals, calcium, iron, and magnesium that has the most profound effect. The effects are related to malabsorption of minerals and from the inability of the separation of vitamin B12 from food proteins. We all have pH in our stomachs that is supposed to be at a 1 or 2 pH for very specific purposes, protection, digestion being the paramount importance. When the pH rises and becomes more basic, pathogens survive, food is poorly digested, and the gut microbiome changes in a negative manner. Diversity decreases, which is associated with all-cause morbidity, and the pathogens tend to be overrepresented by oral microbes. Friedberg et al. 2014 and Amhan et al. 2016, I-A-M-H-A-N-N. The last piece, the overrepresentation of oral microbes, is super interesting, as I'm going to show you in a couple weeks, where we're now showing that the microbiome of the gut if it is overrepresented with multiple species of microbe that come from the oral area, there's a higher increased risk of 1 to 7x, not a small amount, 700% increase in Parkinson's disease in those patients. So having diversity decreases, as well as a shift in your pathogens to the wrong type, potentially oral microbes or different species, could be associated with even more problems, not just micronutrient deficiencies. Another major class of drug commonly used that affects micronutrients is the oral contraceptive class, birth control pills. They are known to reduce the micronutrients magnesium, most B vitamins, coenzyme Q10, selenium, and zinc. That comes from Park et al. 2016. For a table of micronutrient drug interactions, there's a link in the actual newsletter at salisburypediatrics.com newsletter. Check the link. There's a page on table four that lists all of these different links between micronutrients and disease-associated drug use. Basically, it is the chronic use that is the big risk for long-term dysfunction. Any drug that you or your child takes should be explored for cofactor influences that could impair function. The key is to be aware of the possibility. Then I would check levels with your provider and supplement where necessary while maximizing nutrient take as whole food. That's the way we always want to do it. Whole food first. Section 2. Let's talk about soleus push-ups while sitting. What the heck is a soleus, you want to know? Yeah, I know. It's a strange word. But we all sit a lot more these days, leading to metabolic problems from this behavior. 
Dr. Hamilton and colleagues have come up with an ingenious way to change the outcome without changing the sitting reality that exists for many of us at work or school. To understand what a soleus push-up is, visit the YouTube video that is in the link in the newsletter. In a sitting position, you can lift your ankle off the ground repeatedly for hours, leading to major metabolic benefits, including reduced insulin, blood glucose levels, and lipid levels. From the article, quote, slow oxidative muscle, most notably the soleus, is inherently well-equipped with the molecular machinery for regulating blood-borne substrates. However, the entire human musculature accounts for only 15% of the body's oxidative metabolism of glucose at the resting energy expenditure, despite being the body's largest lean tissue mass. We found the human soleus muscle could raise local oxidative metabolism to high levels for hours without fatigue during a type of soleus dominant activity while sitting, even in unfit volunteers. Muscle biopsies revealed there was minimal glycogen use, magnifying the otherwise negligible local energy expenditure with isolated contractions improved systemic VLDL triglyceride and glucose homeostasis by a large magnitude, 52% less postprandial glucose excursion with 60% less hyperinsulinemia. Targeting a small oxidative muscle, 1% of the body mass with local contractile activity is a potent method for improving systolic, systemic metabolic regulation while prolonging the benefit of oxidative metabolism, end quote, Hamilton et al. 2022. So what that basically says is the soleus muscle sits behind the calf muscle in the lower leg and does not fatigue after long periods of use, making it ideal for action over time. The muscle is a very slow twitch muscle that helps us stay standing for long periods without fatiguing. This muscle has high levels of an enzyme called hexokinase 2 and also GLUT4 glucose transporters, allowing for very effective glucose utilization, thereby not wanting us to use our stores of glycogen. It also has very low levels of glycogen phosphorylase, reducing that glycogen use as well. These are very favorable conditions for metabolic health when activated. They note in the article that METs are doubled with a soleus push-up. A MET is a metabolic equivalent of a task, which is the amount of energy used while silent, sitting quietly. Using METs can differentiate between energy output per activity. This is a great activity for everyone to do while sitting to help with metabolic health and longevity. The article is in iScience with Dr. Hamilton again. You can get it, the link in the newsletter. Section three, going back to the mirror neuron. What are mirror neurons? They're brain cells that fire at the exact location of the motor command or the command of another person doing the same event. Thus, the term mirroring. This is an amazing discovery at the time in 1994. From the, a later paper by Dr. Rizzolatti, the discovery, he said, quote, A category of stimuli of greater importance of primates, humans in particular, is that formed by actions done by other individuals. If we want to survive, we must understand the actions of others. Furthermore, without action understanding, social organization is impossible. In the case of humans, there is another faculty that depends on observation of others' actions, imitation learning. Unlike most species, we are able to learn by imitation, and this faculty is the basis of human culture." End quote. Mirror neurons can explain human behavior that covers the realities of empathy, imitation, and language development. These brain regions are like a network of sensors to learn and recreate actions or just understand an opposing creature, person's emotional state that has profound impacts for our relationships and therefore our survival. These mirror systems may explain the common speech patterns of regions including southern drawls and northern styles or that which we hear all around the world. This gets even more fascinating when 
we see the subsequent studies showing that visual input is not necessary for the mirror neurons to learn. Auditory neurons can learn from sounds that reflect an action. Congenitally, blind individuals show brain enhancement in these same neurons when exposed to actions, sounds, leading to learning through hearing. Quote, in essence, when blind people hear the actions of others, they use the same network of cortical brain areas that sighted people use when they observe such actions. This fits into what we already know about, the, about how some regions of the brain are recruited for different uses by blind people. For example, congenitally blind individuals rely on the areas of the visual cortex to acquire information about an object's shape and movement through other sensors and their fingers as touch or in the ears as hearing. As Riccardi, Pietrini, and colleagues point out, the recruitment of visual brain areas for non-visual recognition in congenitally blind individuals indicates that neither visual experience nor visual imagery is required to form an abstract representation of objects, end quote. Bates M. 2009. While to me it is not surprising that the senses, plural, can learn this way, it is fascinating nonetheless and lends force behind the reality that we can learn to use all of our senses to be the most adapted creatures on the planet through mirrored learning. This is like having internal recipe books for action written by another. Without the book, it has to be imagined. With the book, it's just learned by sensing the action. The brain continues to be unbelievably amazing to me. Close your eyes. Use more senses to grow the systems of the mirror. The recipe of the week is barley and vegetable soup by Dr. Weil. It's a quick dish that is loaded with a lot of anti-inflammatory compounds and a robust flavor. Hit the link. Also note that in the newsletter, there's a link to all the books that have been on recent podcast guests, including excellent books like Gut Feelings by Dr. Alessio Fasano, The Truth About Lying by Victoria Talwar, The Better Brain by Bonnie Kaplan, and others. And of course, there's my wife's book, Nurture Tribe, which I think is fabulous. All right, folks, that's it for today. That was issue number 48 for volume 12 which corresponds with the week of November 14th of 2022. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. The information provided in this audiocast newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or the healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. And it does not constitute the formation of the provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.